Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Returning to the book of Ephesians and our study in this passage, we have been looking at this book for some time. As we have considered Ephesians and the viewing the church through spiritual eyes, that we would have a biblical understanding of the church. And as we've come to the latter section, the, the second half of this book, it focuses on how we are to walk. Have you ever been in a really dark place? And I'm thinking of physical darkness. The idea of, of not being able to see. I mean, where would be the darkest place that you have ever been? About 30 years ago, I took a youth group on a mission trip to Mexico. And one day, the, the missionary decided to take our group to a cave. And we drove out into the middle of nowhere. There was this small mound, this little hill, and, and there was an opening in the side of that. And we entered that opening with flashlights. Now, I am not a fan of caves. I prefer to be above ground. I like to be able to see. Um, I read the story of Tom Sawyer when I was a kid. I remember how Tom and Becky got lost in McDougal's cave and uh, encountered a villain who ended up dying in that cave when it got sealed. It's like, I, I just would rather not go there. And, it, you know, if the cave is a major tourist attraction with guides and steps and lights, um, I'm, I'm okay with that. I can tolerate it. I know that logically they have taken, they've taken steps to ensure our safety, and that's not going to be a problem. And, and usually in those types of situations, especially in the United States, they're more concerned about the ecosystem in the cave and you know the mineral deposits and and that we not mess those up and so i am really okay with that but because they want you in a designated area this was not one of those caves this cave was no tourist attraction there were no steps no lights definitely no safety inspectors really no safety equipment and and there were no signs telling you that it was there uh, you had to be with somebody who knew that this cave was there, and unfortunately, we were. You know, as a youth pastor, I, I, I wasn't all that excited about taking our youth group into this cave, and especially in another country, but the missionary wanted to do it. Our youth group was excited about the opportunity, the adventure, and so I went along, but not enthusiastically. And so we made our way in, we're going through winding areas, we, we have our flashlights, we get to a bend in the, uh, the labyrinth of, of passageways, and, and, and the missionary says, listen to this, and he picks up a pebble, and there was this rusty spring, this, this bed spring up against the side, and he throws it over the edge, and it's several seconds before I hear it hit. And I'm thinking, this is not OSHA approved. And are there any other places like this that they haven't found yet to put up those rusty springs? 
And, and I just was not really thrilled about it. As we continued on, it, it got narrower. It, it closed in both on the sides and from the top. And it reached a point where we were crawling single file on our hands and knees through this cave. And, and then it opened up into this massive room. It was probably about the size of our auditorium, this cavern. Now, it wasn't level, it was up and down, but we are in this massive cavern. And then the missionary said, okay, everybody turn off your flashlights. And we turned them off, and, and it was pitch black. You could not see anything. In fact, it was my eyes adjusted to the darkness. I put my hand out in front of my face, and I brought it in, and I touched my nose, and I couldn't see any outline of my hand. And then the missionary lit one candle. And it was amazing how it illuminated that room. In that kind of darkness, how that one small candle gave light to that dark cavern. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, that Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah when it says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What we find in this section of Ephesians chapter 5 is that believers are called to walk as children of light. We are in a dark world spiritually. The moral, the spiritual darkness around us, it continues to increase and yet as Christians, we're to walk in light. Now, the, the general application of the second half of Ephesians, the, the first three chapters are doctrine, telling what God has done in Christ, the confidence that we can have as his children. We're, we're not allowed to spend a long time just meditating on that and glowing in the doctrinal encouragement because Paul quickly brings us to the point that what you believe will determine how you behave. That when you understand this doctrine, here's the life application. And so chapters 4 through 6 are the practical outworking of the doctrinal truth that is laid out in the first three chapters. He doesn't want us to just sit back and enjoy and, and bask in the glory of the doctrine, but to take that and then allow it to impact our lives. And so in, in chapter 2, verse 10, it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And the operative word in the second half of Ephesians is that word walk. It speaks of how we live. And it, it's, it's, like, it's like Paul is inviting us to go for a spiritual walk that let's go to a, for a walk together and here are the characteristics of how we're going to walk. And so it began in chapter 4, verse 1, that we're to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling that we have received in Christ alone. Walk consistently with that calling, recognizing the, the corporate aspect, the church aspect, the body of Christ aspect of our walk. And that was the first 16 verses of chapter 4 that we're to, to walk in unity. That means we have the right spirit. Humility, gentleness, patience, not an arrogance, not self-asserting, self-demanding, but walking in humility and teachableness. That we're putting others before ourselves. We walk with the right service, equipped for ministry. 
We have a right stability that we're not tossed about with doctrinal truths and winds that come along, but we're grounded in doctrinal truth. And then the right speech, speaking the truth in love. And the purpose is for edification. The second section of chapter 4 was walking in holiness, purity, not like the unsaved, the Gentiles, as they're referred to in that section, but that we would walk as new individuals, new creations. And then we, two weeks ago, we considered in chapter 5, verse 2, it says we're to walk in love. We're to reject the word substitutes of lust, both in conduct and conversation. The positive aspect of this walk that is Christ's love, that we would be selfless. That was the positive side. The negative side is don't participate in immorality. That's what the unsaved do. And that's the first part of chapter 5. The fornication, the uncleanness, the covetousness. It, it shouldn't be named among those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And the reason that th these things should not be present is because those are the, the characteristics of the unsaved. This is a wake-up call to those who may have been lulled to sp sleep spiritually. And so we're called to walk in the light. Wake up. Walk in the light. That is what I want us to consider this morning. If you have your Bibles open, follow with me as I begin reading. And we're going to start in verse 6 to give us a little bit of the context. So it really goes back to the, the end of chapter 4 and all the first part of chapter 5. But we'll start our reading in, in verse 6 of chapter 5. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. Therefore... Do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Let's look to the Lord. Fathers, we look into your word this morning. We pray that we would each individually apply your truth to our lives and examine whether or not we are walking in the light. And we pray that if there's one here that has not trusted Christ, that your Holy Spirit would shine the light of your word into their heart, that they might know that joy of salvation. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. What I want us to see from this passage is that the individual who has been personally changed by Jesus Christ will display the characteristics of walking in the light and then shun the deeds of darkness. That's the theme, that's the, the thought that is being brought out in these verses. There are several things that will, be in, will take place in our lives if we are the children of light. As a child of light, you will first of all recognize the intrinsic change in your life. That's the first thing that we see in this section that we have read. It says, but you were, but now you are. There's a change. You were this, you are this. You were once darkness, but now you are light. 
That verse, verse 7 here, or verse 8, is describing every one of us before salvation. Before you came to Christ as your personal Savior, you walked in darkness. You lived in darkness. Your life was darkness. You were lost. You were spiritually blind. That's the idea of darkness being brought out here. Do you remember that time? I mean, for those who grew up in Christian homes and and Christian school and you've been in church since you were in the nursery, you may not see that vast change. But if you're truly saved, you have a desire for the light. There is a change that takes place. For others, you remember that darkness well. You remember where your life was. You remember the the aspects of that. And and the darkness speaks of the, the spiritual and moral blindness that you could not see. And you rejoice in that, that change. I, m- I mentioned to, uh, to you I had the privilege of speaking for the, the Camp Ironwood Men's Retreat this past w- week. I started on Thursday night, went all day f- Friday, finished up yesterday morning, and then I drove back. And, and, and I, it was a great chance to meet some of the men. And, and there were a couple of guys that, that I'd gotten to know. We'd done some different activities together. And, and Friday night they were giving hay rides, kind of taking you around the property. And they'd done one, and we'd been doing something else. Um, I'd been eating s'mores. That's really what I was doing. Um, that was my activity. And there were a couple of guys that, that asked the driver, he said, you're going to do this again? And he said, yeah, I can go once more. And so they hopped on. I thought, I'm going to go with them. And ended up, it was only the three of us. And, and these, these men were, were young Christians. And, and it, was, it was really, an, it, it turned into a great time to just have a, a very a profitable conversation with them. But it started as they were just talking about the things that they had done and, and before they were, knew the Lord and things that really were characteristics of a person walking in darkness. And, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of chuckling to myself thinking, you do realize you're with the guest speaker, right? But it was just a very openness. They were very transparent. This is where their life was. So I asked them, I said, so, so tell me about how you came to know the Lord. Tell me what took place. And to hear how God had used various circumstances and trials. And, and the one guy who had been talking about what he had used to do, he said, you know, I just, I want to be at church. I keep asking my pastor, what can I do? How can I grow? What? He said, I come in with a list of words that I don't understand from the Bible. And I'm asking my pastor, he says, he gets this little smile. I said, he loves to have those kinds of questions. And I thought, here is a man who, the description had been, here's what I was like in the dark. But his whole countenance showed that he was a person walking in light. That he wanted to grow, he wanted to learn. And, and, and I said, you keep asking your pastor those questions. You keep getting involved and the Lord is going to, to work in your life. And it was, it was a delight to me to see their excitement and to hear their testimonies of how they're growing and how their families were changing because they were seeking to walk in the light. But I want us to see another aspect of this. We we see the the contrast, but what I want us to also see is that it's actually a change of condition. Look at the passage again. It doesn't simply say that you were in the dark and now you are in the light. It says you were darkness. You are light. It's not merely a change of position, it's a change of the condition of the person. You know, when I was in that cave in Mexico, I was in darkness. When I came out, I was in light. But the only thing that changed was I was relieved to be out of there. It didn't change me personally. 
When you were lost, when you were without Christ, you were darkness. When you come to Christ, you are light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then he says he's sending us forth as lights into the world. And and so understanding the change is in our condition. It's not nearly a change of our position. And And I stress that because we often tend to make excuses in our behavior because of circumstances. Well, you don't understand. I'm not really like that, but if that person hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that. You know, if my kids would listen to me, if my spouse would would show me the respect that I deserve, if my boss understood me, and, and we can excuse our behavior. No, out of the abundance of the heart is how we live. And what we're saying is, it's not me, it's my circumstances. Folks, we can change the circumstances, but that doesn't change us. And you can come to church, you can join a church, you can be baptized, but unless Christ has changed your heart, you're still in darkness. You are darkness. Now, you may be around people of the light, and you may think, okay, that must be me too. But have you truly been changed? And if we're simply making excuses, the problem is not our position, it's our heart condition. This verse is telling us there was a change in the condition of the person. They were darkness, they are light. I mean, it, it's the, the idea here of the change is it's going to show up in our lives. If you've been with us on Sunday evenings as we've been studying the, the lives of the, the apostles, in the last couple of weeks we've looked at um, James and John. Jesus called them the sons of thunder. It says something about their condition, who they were. It doesn't mean they were born in a storm. (laughs) But when they came, they livened things up. They were the sons of thunder. It was a a description of, of their attitudes. What we see here is we are children of light. So it ought to be seen in our actions. It ought to be seen in our attitudes. It says earlier in verse 6, it says, For these things the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Those who are unsaved are going to have characteristics of disobedience. Because there's only two spiritual families. You either belong to God and you're a child of His, or you belong to Satan. There's, there's not the, you know, the darkness of Satan and the lightness of God, and then there's lots of gray areas in between. No, every one of us is one of those two families. And, and so when Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, he said, You will do the desires of your father. The devil, he was a liar from the beginning and abode not in the truth. And so recognizing this, that there's a difference in how children of darkness and the children of light live. And it ought to impact, it it does impact every area of our life. It ought to show up in our conversations. It ought to show up in how we parent, how we deal with difficulties, our entertainment choices, and how we face death. As we just recently had the the funeral for for Peggy Roberts. And there's a difference in a funeral of a believer than a funeral of an unbeliever. And I've done both. And, And while there's a sorrow in the funeral of a believer, there's also a joy and a hope knowing that they're with the Lord. When I've done the funerals for unbelievers, there's not that hope. And the goal then is to give the hope to those that are still alive. But it's a totally different because one is been in darkness the other is light so the question then is has there been a change in you 
Do others recognize that intrinsic change that has taken place in you, in your disposition, in your outlook, in your attitude? That, that you, you are a different person, and, and you've probably heard this, some of you have, that you know, something's different about you. You're not like you used to be. Yes, because now you're light. The second thing that we see, though, is that when you are a child of light, then you will reproduce the fruit of the light. That's what we see in verses 9 and 10. And, and understanding it says you were darkness, you're children of light, walk in the light for the fruit of the Spirit. And, and the word there, a number of translations use the word light, the fruit of light. Because when the Holy Spirit is at work, it brings out characteristics of the person who walks in the light. Well, what are those characteristics? Well, it tells us in, in verse 9, all goodness, righteousness, truth. And so I use the, the really unusual character or terminology in the outline to reproduce the fruit of light so that we understand that when you are a person of light, there will be fruit that exhibits that. So is your, is your life characterized by what is good, by what is right, and what is truth? Are you known as a truthful person? Because one of the earliest characteristics of a child of darkness, of a person of disobedience, is they lie. No parent sits down with their children and says, now I need to teach you something that can really help you out in life. Let me teach you how to lie. No, they learn that early. That baby will cry and then you come and nothing's wrong. It's like, I just wanted you to come. I'm trying to make it look like something's wrong. Children lie. Who teaches them that? They're born in darkness. They don't have to be taught that. And that's the characteristic of our culture. That's why documents have so many pages and legal information to try to, to bind people in. Why? Because their word isn't good. We have to have that commitment. If, you, if you're not known as a truthful person, you need to examine whether you're truly in light. Because the person, person who is in darkness is going to be dishonest. Darkness is characterized by ignorance, immorality, impurity. Those are the things that are brought out in verses 3 through 5. Those, those are opposite actions and attitudes of the fruit of light. Because what we see here is, is that the, the reproducing the fruit of light means that we will display God's character. Goodness, righteousness, truth. Meeting our moral and ethical obligations. Recognizing the character of God. That, we would be, that our lives would reflect what is good, what is right, what is true. These are the attributes of the light and they're developed through knowing God and knowing Him through His Word. So that we would live to the glory of God. So what does it mean to walk as a child of light? Well, the second part of this we see that we have to discern God's pleasure. If you look again at this passage, notice at the end of verse 8, it says, walk as children of light. Verse 9 is a parenthetical statement. And if you, if you read what it says and remove that parenthesis, it's divinely inspired, but just to get the flow. So how does a child of light walk? Well, it says at the end of verse 8, walk as children of light, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. That's what verse 10 tells us. So a child of light walks in a way that they're looking for what pleases God. Now the characteristics of what pleases God are given to us in verse 9. 
But if you want to know how the the child of light walks, he walks trying to discern God's pleasure. That's the flow of this passage. And so the question we all have to ask is, do we seek to live in such a way that it invites the smile of God? Or do we just kind of do what we want and say, you know, if I mess up, I'll get forgiveness. Now, he is faithful and just to forgive us, but that should not be our attitude. Our attitude shouldn't be, I'm going to do what I want and God will forgive me. No, my attitude ought to be, what pleases God? Because a child of the light is finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And so it means that we have to grow in our knowledge of him, of his character, of his commands. That we look for ways to apply his word to our life. See, a child of light desires to please his heavenly father. So does God have ways that we should live in various aspects? You know, I've mentioned already a list of areas we could just bullet point, how we parent, how we behave in our homes, our our choices of of entertainment, and, and things like this. Are there things that please God? Does God have something that honors Him? You know, if one of the things I, I don't really enjoy doing a lot is going to the mall. And one of the things, if I, if I have to go shopping, if I walk into a dis- department store, it's like, why don't they just put everything in one section? If I'm looking for a shirt, put all the shirts in one area. You know, oh, well, you have these shirts over here, and then you have other shirts over here, and then you have other ones over here, and I've got to go through the whole mall. And I know there's a logic for them. They're trying to get me to spend more money. I just, you know, I, I want to find it, get it, get out. But, you know, when I, have, when I end up in a store like that, there are sections that I walk in and I say, yeah, yeah, I'm not wearing that stuff. That's not my style. But that I kind of like. And, and that one over there, do you think there are things that fit God's style? That there are things that God said, yeah, I am not, I'm not wearing that. Because as children of light, we ought to reflect what would be his style. And I'm not trying to be simplistic in it, but I want us to think. Because it's easy for us to say, well, if I like it, God must like it. No, we ought to think the other way. What does God like? Because that's how children of light walk. They walk finding out what God likes. What do you you think of this? Do Do you think this movie would be one that I should watch as a Christian? Lord, do you think this music is what would honor and glorify you and help me grow spiritually? Is this the way that I should parent? Is this the way I should respond in the workplace? Is this, are we seeking what is acceptable to God? To know that we have to grow in a knowledge of Him. You know, do the sons of disobedience have a style? Are there things that they would do? Are we different from them? If you're a child of light, you should be. You know, we we need to go through life looking at the departments and asking what pleases God in these areas. The people in Ephesus, remember, this is being written to believers in the church of Ephesus. They had lived their lives to please the gods of their culture. And Diana was one of those gods. The temple of Diana was this, this one of the wonders of the ancient world. And immorality was part of that worship. Let's face it, in America... People worship themselves, and immorality is a big part of that worship because we're we're bombarded with it in our culture. The self-worship of America, 
does the things in verse 3 of fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. And it says, don't let these things be named among you as saints, as, as people who are walking in the light. Recognize the change because you're in a new family. Therefore, produce the characteristics of this new relationship that's in the light. The third thing that we see is we have to reject association with the deeds of darkness. Not only do we bring forth the fruit of the light, now we reject the deeds of darkness. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And then it goes on and says, for it's, it's a shameful thing to even speak of some of these things that are done. There's a warning here. You know, if we come to God's Word, it shouldn't be with the attitude of saying, well, I want to find out if there's a loophole so I can do what I want to do. No, it ought to be, I want, I want to evaluate my life to see, is it the fruit of light? Do you do what you want unless you are sure that it's sin? Or do you say, Lord, I want to know what pleases you? I mean, if we just say, well, I'm going to kind of live like I want and I'll try to be a good person, how's that any different than a moral, unsafe person? We have to be people who are in the Word and seeking to live for God's glory. A person who isn't committed to living in the light, who walks in darkness, will defend the darkness. They really indicate that they're not light in them themselves. John 3, verse 19 says, And this is the condemnation. The light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But verse 21 says, But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. The world doesn't like the light. Sometimes we wonder, why does the world get upset with us? Because we're light. When we walk in, it's, if we're living for the Lord, there's something about us that shines the light and they know what they're doing is wrong. And they don't like it. It's like when you turn on a, a, a light and, and cockroaches scatter. They don't want the light. If you're living in the light and living for the glory of God, there will be things about your life that expose the world around you. And some of your old friends don't really want to be around you because they're not comfortable because those who are in the dark don't want the light. They hate the light because it exposes them. And we ought to desire to walk in the light. If you don't want God to direct your life, why would you want to spend eternity in his house? You know, some people want to live their own life. They want to do what they please, but they want to go to heaven. Well, why would you want to live eternity in God's house? You know, his house, his rules. And if we're not willing to follow his rules here, why would we want that for all eternity? You know, you can claim to be a child of light, but what is the characteristic of your life? If I were to ask your co-workers, your spouse, your children, your parents, would we say, would they say, yeah, they're, they're, they're growing. It doesn't mean that there aren't struggles, but they're seeking to walk in the light. Or do we tend to delight in the darkness and then defend the darkness? Well, light doesn't exist with darkness. When the light comes, the darkness flees. When that missionary lit that candle in that cave, it got light. And it wasn't because they were coexisting. It wasn't just kind of gray. It lit up that room. That The light drives away the darkness. 
And this passage then tells us that, that don't have fellowship, verse 11, have no fellowship, don't partner with the people of darkness and disobedience. Now, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Now, we're to have contact so that we can be light. But we have to be careful that we're not joining in with their darkness. Our, our lives need to be a witness that reproves them. It says, rather reprove them. And your life will expose that, but there are times we have to speak up. And it's not comfortable. And it's not enjoyable, but, but light and darkness have opposite effects. Darkness shelters evil. The light exposes it. And when we shine the light on evil, the evil doesn't like it. Those who are doing that. But if you are light and walk to be approved of God, your very life is going to be a light in a dark world. We, we are left for that purpose. We're not to hide our light under a basket. A basket of selfishness, basket of, of, of wanting to do my own thing, but say, I want to live for the Lord. I, I want to find out what is acceptable to Him. And realize our, our culture is, is getting worse and worse. We see this all the time. But recognize God does not accommodate the culture. And He doesn't grade on the curve. You know, we can look at our bad culture and say, well, I'm not that bad. I got my issues, but I'm not that, doing what they're doing. No, they're not the standard God is. For children of light, we don't look at the world and say, well, I'm glad I'm not like them. I have to look at God and say, God, how do I please you? The point of comparison is not the sons of disobedience, but the father of light. Because we're his children. He will not tolerate wickedness, but when you expose the works of darkness in our, our society, you will be labeled intolerant. When you shine the light of what God says about biblical manhood and womanhood, about marriage, about righteousness in our culture, you will be accused of being intolerant. But that's what God says. And as children of light, we have to walk in light. And, but it, there's a warning here as well. It says in verse 12, it's shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. We have to be very careful, even in exposing them, that there is a caution given to us that we have to expose the unfruitful works of darkness but it needs to be done in a thoughtful careful way you know when people are dealing with hazardous materials or dangerous diseases they take a number of precautions they put on special suits masks gloves they work carefully and then they they rinse all of that off before they even take it off so that they are being careful. They want to do everything they can to avoid contamination and limit any exposure that, that there would be. That ought to be our approach in dealing with wickedness. Evil. There will be times that because of the world in which we live and, and sometimes in dealing with people and counseling and, and, and correcting in school, you, you have to deal with these things. But we should always do it cautiously and carefully. That's what this passage is telling us. Limit our exposure as much as possible, not sharing any more than necessary. Because it's a shame to even speak of, of these things done in secret. Now, at times we have to say things. But we don't have to give any more than necessary. Allow the light of God's Word to expose the evil. You know, God's Word deals with all sorts of, of problems. All kinds of wickedness. Blasphemy, drunkenness, immorality, incest, all sorts of things. But it's never done in a way that makes sin attractive. Let God's Word be our standard. 
Our walk must be a contrast to those who walk in darkness. And if Scripture says something's wrong, then we better not try to argue away Scripture. If God says it's wrong, then we better not say otherwise. And, and realize, if you please God, if our desire as walking as children of light is to walk in such a way to find what's acceptable to God, if God is pleased, it really doesn't matter who else is offended. And if, if other people are pleased and God is not, then it doesn't matter who's pleased. Our goal has to be to find out what pleases God. The fourth thing that we see is we have to respond to life in the light. That's what we see in verse 14. Therefore, he says, wake up. Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ shall give you light. Now, this may have been an early church hymn. We, we don't know. Commentators differ on what it may have been. They may have been an early church hymn. It may have been an adaptation of Isaiah 60, verse 1, that says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. But whatever it was, it, 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 whether it's referring to Christians who are slumbering and need to wake up, or sinners that are asleep that need to wake up and come out of the darkness, both are, are appropriate. Either one is asking the question, are you spiritually awake? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not really a morning person. I usually wake up early. And not because I want to, I'm just that I wake up. If, if it's after 5 o'clock when I wake up, I think I've, I've had a good night's sleep. But I'm not thrilled with that hour of the morning. And, and so often I'll go down, I know our coffee pot, it's on a timer, it will be ready by 6 o'clock. And, and so I'll go down and I'll, I'll sit in our family room with my cup of coffee and my iPad because I can read on my iPad and I don't have to turn on the lights. And I noticed this summer, because of where the sun was, that with the shades, that there was one spot where the sun could come through and hit right where I was sitting on the couch. I didn't like that. I didn't want light at that hour of the morning because I'm not awake. And a couple of times I'd kind of shift over on the couch or I'd move to a different chair because I wanted to avoid the light. Now, I I did that because I'm not physically awake yet. And I want, to, I want to do that slowly if I can. Folks, we better be careful we don't do that spiritually. If God is shining the light, don't move out of the way. It's speaking in the spiritual context here. Throw open the blinds and allow the light to shine into your life. Wake up, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So how can we apply this personally? Number one, are there areas where you have been lulled to sleep spiritually by the things of the world? Well, you know, it's not that bad. Other people are doing worse. I'm trying. Don't don't go that way. Go back to verse 10 and find out what is acceptable to the Lord because that's how the children of light walk. Don't tolerate evil. Expose it in a way that will bring glory to God. Number two, Are you inappropriately partnering with those who are disobedient to God? The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Now, there are relationships that we have to have, but we have to be careful that we're not entering into inappropriate partnerships. That's why I believe that a believer shouldn't marry an unbeliever. I mean, that's a pretty close partnership. And, and recognize it. So I encourage our young people, don't get interested. Don't date somebody who's not a believer. Now, God can work. 
And I've seen that happen many times. But the question has to be, what is acceptable to God? Not, well, can I get forgiveness? And, and can God work? Yes, God can work. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. But that's not an excuse to sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. God forbid. And so we need to ask, are there areas where we're partnering inappropriately? We need to testify for Christ, not partner with the darkness. In recognizing these areas. Number three, does your life radiate the light of Christ to those around you? I mean, are we showing that? Who, Who are we following? Are we seeking God's approval? You know, it's not what we say, it's who are we following. As I was driving back from California yesterday, I I would notice certain vehicles, I I, I would notice some moving trucks on the road. That somebody had rented a truck and uh, moving from California to Arizona or some other state. And sometimes I'd see that and say, you know, I think that car is following them. Or it looks like they may be together. Now, I could speculate, well, they're on the highway, but what would really give it away? What would give it away is if they followed them when they took the exit. You can say you're following the Lord, but if he takes this exit and you don't go with him, it really raises the question, who are we following? If I say I'm following the light, I'm walking in the light, I'm following the Lord, but I keep going into darkness, it really raises those questions in our lives. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Where are you walking today? And so I would finally ask, are you a child of light? Because you have personally trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not talking about joining a church, being baptized, you know, going to a Christian school, growing up in a Christian home. I'm talking about have you personally trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Can you say not just that I've been around the light, but that I am light today? If not, We would love to show you how you can have that relationship even before you leave this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the practicality of of the truth that applies to how we live and where we walk. Lord, we pray that we would demonstrate the, the spirit that you display of goodness, righteousness, and truthfulness. Lord, I pray that as a church family, that would be the characteristic of of our ministry. Lord, I pray that you'd work in our midst this morning, that if there's somebody here that has never trusted you as their personal Savior, that your Holy Spirit would convict them of sin, that they would see their sin as you see it, but they would also see the Savior who died for them, and that today they would turn from sin and trust in Christ alone. Lord, I pray that as believers we would live in such a way that it would be obvious that we are children of light, by our behavior, by our speech, by our attitude, by our deeds, that you would be glorified. With heads bowed and eyes closed, before we stand for our invitation to him, I'd I'd like to ask, as I normally do on a Sunday morning, I wonder if you're here and say, you know, I'm not sure that I've ever trusted Christ as my Savior. I don't know that if I died today, I'd be in heaven. But I'd like to have that confidence, that assurance. I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I would like to be sure. Would you pray for me? If you'd say that, I'd like to remember you in prayer. I won't embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. If you say, I'm not sure I'm saved, pray for me. Would you quietly slip up your hand? I will acknowledge I see it. I will pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else? Not sure that I have that relationship. Pray for me. Thank you. Anyone else? Christians, are you walking in the light? 
Or have you been toying with things of the dark? Where's the Holy Spirit convicted you this morning? In the quiet of this moment, would you talk to the Lord? If there's sin that needs to be confessed, would you confess it? Would you commit to serve the Lord faithfully in the quiet of this moment? Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for this one who's uncertain about their eternal destiny, their, their salvation. I pray that they would speak with somebody today, even before they leave, that, that they would be able to see from your word how they can have that relationship and the confidence that they are a person of the light. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as believers to live in such a way as to reflect that we are following the light and live for your glory. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.